0: AI allows us to rethink everything about how we get the learner to their learning goal without us necessarily needing to think about everything that's come before. It provides us an opportunity to to think of this with with a clean slate.
1: Welcome to AI Experience, the podcast that demystifies artificial intelligence. My name is Julian Roethlisberger, and we are going to find out how AI is changing the world. And I am very excited to welcome Bodo Honan. He is the co-founder of Knowledge, which, he, which is a solution to empower instructional designers and teachers to rapidly generate interactive e-learning material using AI. So today, it's all about education, pedagogical tools and materials, teaching and instructional design. Thank you for joining me today. How are you, Bodo? I'm very well, Julian. Thank you
0: for asking. I think 2024 is going to be the year that AI tools that are built on LLMs, are really going to mature and and start to be fully fledged platforms. So it's it's going to be an exciting year, I think.
1: Oh yeah, no, absolutely, and and I'm sure you have a lot to say about education, instructional design, and AI. So just to kick things off, Bodo, could you briefly introduce yourself and tell us what knowledge is about? Yeah. So so
0: I'm a serial entrepreneur. I have uh, started several different companies. Um, the the previous big one was a learning management system that I sold to Google. The other co-founders of the team have both, well, two of them have, have both started uh, AI startups. They're really um, experienced in developing AI tools. And the third co-founder, uh, she used to lead learning and development at, at some of the teams in Meta and, and HP. And together we are knowledge and we are developing tools to power the, what we think is the, the future requirement of learning. And and just very briefly, what do I mean by that? Uh, What I mean by that is we no longer know what learners need to learn tomorrow. We don't know what problems they need to solve. We don't know what, what jobs are going to be available. And yet the infrastructure that we currently use requires us to think very long and hard because it's going to take us several months, if not several years, to develop courses and programs and whatever else we need to develop. However, that's not the case anymore. We, we're moving into a future where we can't spend several months or even several years developing these programs. We need to do this in real time. And and in order to do that, we're going to need brand new infrastructure. And that's that's what we're building.
1: Okay. So today we're going to talk about instructional design. Could you explain us what it is for the listener that actually are not very familiar with the term
0: so in very short instructional design we we're trying to build learning experiences with content and, and different experiences that will help the learner understand what they are trying to to learn and instructional designers have a really good understanding of what works what doesn't work how should we how should we f- uh, formulate different activities and different experiences in order to to convey what it is that you're trying to teach to the learner most optimally, and instructional designers have got a tremendous amount of experience in how to actually design that that infrastructure, that that experience. And so, yeah, that, that's what instructional design, designer does.
1: Okay. And so, when did you found? Uh, did you co-create knowledge?
0: Yeah, co- knowledge was co-created just a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. um, and this was after. Both, uh, well, all of the co-founders, we've been doing research within this field for many years before that, but but we started knowledge just a couple of years ago.
1: Okay, and was it created AI by design?
0: One of the key components to all of this is the is the understanding that in order to build this new infrastructure, we are going to need to build it with AI by design, AI first. Um, and so, yeah, we we looked at this from that lens. How do we build this? AI first. So my background, I would regard myself as a collective intelligence scientist. And so uh, we also looked at how do we build this from that perspective, from a collective intelligence type of uh, framework where
1: AI is a core part of that. Okay, so you didn't wait the launch of ChatGPT to think (laughs) in terms of AI. So so ChatGPT, you know,
0: ChatGPT 3, GPT 2, GPT 1 all came out Quite a quite a long time ago, uh, we've our initial solution was released before ChatGPT was launched in November of 21, um, and so we've been building on this for quite some time. Okay,
1: okay, uh, because I I noticed a lot of startups that were launched right after ChatGPT, and there is just a huge trend. But you were here. You, you were there like ahead of the curve. That's right.
0: Yes. We've been working on this for for quite some time.
1: Okay. So let's talk about education. So what inspired you to focus on AI applications in education, uh, especially because you have a, such a diverse background as an entrepreneur?
0: So, my pers- so this is personally related to my own motivations. It, after I sold my learning management system to, to Google, I really looked at the problem of, okay, how do we redesign educational infrastructure to support all learners in particular low those learners who have the very least those learners who don't have any traditional infrastructure to support them so so I started to work in refugee camps in conflict zones in in um, in the slums of East Africa and then non-traditional maker sp- uh, learning spaces in in India um, those are the environments in which i I started to build prototypes in with the goal of thinking of uh, how do we build infrastructure to support the learner, even if there isn't any external infrastructure to support them. Um, That's really where my motivation came in. Uh, Turns out that this infrastructure that that we were building is highly suitable to address the problems we are gonna be facing in the, uh, well, from today onwards and, and into the future. Um, so that's that's my personal motivation
1: okay do you have any uh, any memories about your experience in 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 refugee camps in conflict zone like any uh, anything that, that 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 was impactful on your entrepreneur journey yeah
0: yeah so so two two key lessons is one is we have to tap into the learners intrinsic motivation what is it that they want to learn so one quick story. I got money from, uh, well, I was about to get money from the Gates Foundation, but they were forcing us to teach learners how to, do, uh, how to learn literacy and numeracy uh, within the context of a slum where there were no teachers to support them. Right? So, so the, the real question is, well, how do we motivate someone to learn literacy and numeracy? And it's really difficult to do that outside of any context. The learners aren't interested in learning literacy and numeracy because it's not going to affect them. It's not going to improve their lives tomorrow. They want to learn something today that can improve their lives tomorrow. So what is that? Uh, so we needed to flip the script on that. We couldn't focus on literacy and numeracy. We needed to focus on something that, that is contextually re- relevant to the learner, which would tap into their intrinsic motivation. So for example, um, some of the girls wanted to become bicycle mechanics. Other Other kids wanted to learn how to prevent the spread of malaria within their village these are these are things that we could teach and while we teach those concepts they would need to learn literacy and numeracy but it's within the context of what it is that they want to learn so that was lesson 1 lesson 2 was within this within the context of there not being any traditional teachers how do we how do we generate that relationship of a learner and a teacher uh, so we needed to in, to pioneer some particular methods of doing that. And I think one method that worked really, really well was in order for one child to prove that they know what they're doing in a particular topic or domain, they need to teach two of their friends whatever they've just learned. So this forces the learner to learn what they've just done far more deeper because now they need to teach their own, their friends. But two, it helps to propagate that learning throughout the ecosystem without there being any formal educational infrastructure. So these these things were were two core lessons
1: that I that I learned. Okay. And, and that was useful for you to build uh, knowledge, I guess. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. Okay. So uh, talking about knowledge, could you explain how your solution works in a very simple term? Like, What are the steps to create valuable content for teachers, educators, and students?
0: At Knowledge, we are building two different tools. The first tool is now available, and the second tool is only going to be available at the end of the year. So let me explain the first tool. The first tool is Knowledge AI, and Knowledge AI can help educators, instructional designers, teachers generate interactive and engaging content from any existing static content in a matter of minutes. So the problem is that teachers have a great deal of static material, um, like textbooks, libraries of, of videos, worksheets, PDFs, all of these things, but they're they're very static, and it's difficult to to build any adaptive learning from that. And so Knowledge AI allows you to upload that static material. So you could upload a video, you could give it a link to a website, you can upload a PDF, you could even provide it this this podcast, for example. Um, You could could use, uh, you can copy and paste text in the free text box. This is ways that you could provide Knowledge AI some material. It will then analyze that material and generate for you a whole bunch of interactives, which includes uh, things like an interactive video, transcript, a glossary of all the terms, the key ideas. Um, it'll generate quiz questions and flashcards. It'll generate both formative and summative assessments. It will generate uh, fun little games like find the word games or crosswords, It'll generate all of these different activities that the teacher and the instructional designer can then rapidly use to build really engaging courseware from.
1: Okay, so AI is not here to create the content. The teachers and educators are feeding the AI with trustworthy content, and then AI is using that content to turn it into snackable, valuable uh, pieces of content for, for, for students.
0: That's right, and and you you raised a really important point. The reason we are doing it this way is because there's a big challenge within generative AI that it is able to generate uh, inaccurate information that sounds plausible. This is a huge challenge, and it's we are we address that by requiring the educator, the educator who is trustworthy, they know what they want to teach. The instructional design are the same. They know what they want to teach. Um, they need to provide at least some uh some initial content that would feed into the ai and this becomes the ground truth this becomes the guardrails um that the ai will then use to produce additional content but which it'll always refer back to the 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 ground truth to make sure that what it generates is accurate and consistent it doesn't
1: include bias and all and all the rest okay so that could be useful of course for schools. Yes, Uh, but also, what about like universities, colleges, maybe like corporate workplace for long life training? Like that's right, yeah. Yeah.
0: So at the moment, knowledge AI is focused on um, on education K twelve and high red. However, about uh, fifty percent of our inbound leads are actually from corporates, Um, and the same technology can be used in both environments. Even though our focus is in in K twelve, but corporates can utilize this just the same Um, they can upload training material for their employees and outcomes all of these interactive
1: that they can use within their within their learning programs so who are your clients who do you work with is it only schools in the u.s or is it like worldwide yeah we're a
0: french-based startup and we have an office here in the u.s and i'm I'm based in the u.s but the other three co-founders are based in france our primary customers and users are at the moment k-12 um, K twelve and higher ed. So we launched just a couple of months ago in in uh, in twenty twenty three. We have at the moment fifty eight thousand educators using us, about eight hundred or so schools. Um, we do have a few corporates using us, and we just signed a really large contract with the Île de France region in Paris, or in France, I should say. Um, so that's the 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 Paris school system. Um, so th- these are these are the types of clients we are working with at the
1: moment. And so, how do you deploy your solution within uh, an IT system in schools? Because I know by experience it could be complicated. So this first product, which is Knowledge AI, which I just described to you, is
0: you can think of it as like an authoring tool. So the deployment of an authoring tool into a school system is is pretty straightforward. Right? You you would need to to gather the teachers that are likely to use this. You'd provide them accounts, and they would then be able to use this. But the way we've designed it is that it requires a zero training. Um, with if you were to use ChatGPT to generate courseware or, or questions, you'd then need to you know copy and paste the questions. You'd need to build it into some type of quiz quiz engine. You'd probably need to build it into I don't know, I don't know may, maybe use Canvas or Moodle or whatever learning management system. You'd manually need to take those questions and build something out of uh, from those tools. The way that we operate is we want a, a one-click, no-think solution, right? So you upload your your content, one-click, it generates all the things that you need, and you can then plug and play this into whatever learning management system or learning environment you have. And we make it so that there is no training or technical expertise required. We package the material in ready, ready-to-use, plug-and-play-ready modules. Um, so the de- so to answer your question the deployment the deployment of knowledge ai into educational institutions is really really
1: straightforward okay so you can work with any learning management system huh?
0: that's right yeah so right from the start this was one of the key challenges we we knew we needed to do, to address is that whatever we develop needs to be plug and play ready for any learning environment and so we operate with with um, global standards we export in lti h5p scorm um, all of the all of the major standards, which means that we are suitable. I mean, you can even embed the code, so so what we produce can be added to almost any website or learning management system.
1: So we just say that um, the primary content is the responsibility of the teacher and educators. But how do we ensure that the content generated by AI is accurate and relevant, and actually makes sense for the teachers? So there's two parts of the problem. Uh, part one is
0: the initial doc the initial content that is being fed to knowledge ai the teacher has full responsible for responsibility to ensure that that content is accurate and valid and can be used to teach whatever they need to teach once that is provided to us we use that as the the ground truth um, we don't make any any uh judgments on that content so, so for example, and this is this is a an interesting use case. One of our teachers intentionally uploaded um, information about the flat Earth theory. They wanted to make sh- they wanted to teach kids what flat Earth, you, you, how to argue for a point that you know is inaccurate, right? And they used knowledge AI to do that. So, so we obviously know flat Earth is incorrect, but. The way we train the, the AI is to make sure that the teacher has full control over what is accurate. So the teacher uploads a document, in this case, that the earth is flat. And our AI would produce content that is accurate and consistent with that ground truth. So I hope that explains how we are how we are dealing with it.
1: Yeah, my question was more about like how do you make sure that AI does not forget something or an important, I don't know, piece of content, date, event, something like that. Because AI has to make choices like, I keep this, I I remove this. How how does that work? This is
0: a continually improving process on our part. We have the option of the educator to review the analysis. So there's three steps in the process. Step one is the generation of the ground truth. Step two is the the generation of the analysis. Um, The analysis consists of the AI uh, reviewing the semantic meaning of whatever you've just uploaded. Reviewing what it is that it's being dis- is being discussed. What are the key ideas? What are the um, so it lists out the key ideas. It generates all the definitions. It generates the questions. Once it's done that, the educator can review that second step of the process if they want to. They can review all of that all of the material. That's the that's a primary mechanism we use to ensure that what we generate is what the teacher wants and And just just to to highlight this review process just takes a couple of minutes, right? So it doesn't take a lot of time. even if you want to do the review, it it would just take you a couple of minutes.
1: okay. So on average, how much time would you say your solution can save for a teacher? because I know you could take a lot of time to create a content uh, a course. So do you have any insight, any statistics?
0: yes, so so it's a hundred x reduction in cost and time just one example is the number of activities that you can generate uh i come my my background also includes working as an an instructional designer um what ai generates now in just a matter of minutes would have taken me 40 hours to, to generate before knowledge ai came out came out so if i were to use a traditional authoring tool um, it would take me forty hours to produce what knowledge AI can produce in just a couple of minutes. Now, you're probably not going to use everything that knowledge AI generates, and so the 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 uh, maybe you just want to use the interactive video, or just the quiz questions, or just the just the glossary, or maybe just the flashcards. Um, so, so in that instance, it's it's going to save you hours instead of forty hours, and maybe save you one or two hours.
1: Uh, do you have a success story to share? Where knowledge AI technology made like a significant impact in a learning environment.
0: Yeah, so I can I can share two two st- quick stories. One is an interesting use case that is being used by a lot of educators uh, at the moment. Some educators are recording their lessons in their school in their classes with their phone. They're recording, you know, their lecture and 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 what it is being what is being discussed in the class. They upload that video to Knowledge AI five minutes before the end of class. And then two minutes before the end of class, Knowledge AI has packaged, it has generated an interactive video, it's generated a transcript of everything being discussed by the teacher. It's generated a glossary of all the terms, as well as the definitions of all the things that have been discussed in the, in the, in the class. It's generated a bunch of flashcards to help the learners understand the concepts. It's generated quiz questions, and formative assessments, and has gener- generated this all in one package. The teacher then shares this with the students so that they now have a record of everything that's being discussed in the class. They can search for this later on, or they can review it when they need to do homework. But now the student, as well as the teacher, has a record of everything being taught. And they can easily search for things that they need to to learn. They can easily review uh, items that maybe they forgot that that they were taught a couple of months ago. Um, this this particular use case is quite interesting to us, and it's and it's addressing a pretty big challenge.
1: Okay, that's interesting, and it could so it could also be used to send the content to the parents, uh, so they can do like homework yeah, help their their right. as well. Yeah. Okay. So uh, at the beginning of 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 our um, uh, episode, you mentioned that knowledge had like two different products. So we talked about knowledge AI, which is existing. And then you mentioned something else, which is in development. What it is and what can you tell us about? So think of Knowledge AI as
0: a tool that can generate Lego bricks. So you feed it educational material and it will generate these bite-sized interactive educational content. Think of those as Lego bricks. These Lego bricks can teach you a particular concept. What do we do with those Lego bricks? Well, in traditional education, we would... Take those Lego bricks and we would stack them together to build a course. But this requires us to understand what we need to teach beforehand because we're going to need to design the course beforehand. So what is a better way? How should we store these Lego bricks so that we can generate courses on the fly? That is what our second product is all about. So our second product is called Knowledge Alex. Alex stands for learning experience. And here what we are doing is we are taking these bricks these Lego bricks, and we are allowing educators, instructional designers, uh, anyone that needs to generate learning experiences to generate those on the fly. And the way it works is we take those Lego bricks, these Lego bricks that represent concepts that can be learned, and we map them out to what we call, what we think of as like a Google Maps for learning. Now, every concept that can be learned has an address on this map. This allows us to do something pretty unique now you can query this map. You can say, hey, I want to learn X or Y or Z. We don't need to beforehand know exactly what that destination is, just like Google Maps doesn't need to know exactly where you need to, where it is that the, that the traveler wants to go before it can generate a path. We can do the same. So we can auto-generate a, a highly customized learning experience for every learner based on exactly where they are and whatever learning goal they have. And the, map, the, the gap between these two points, we call the map of ignorance. This is a map of all the concepts that lie between the learner's current understanding and whatever learning goal they have.
1: Could you just give us an example, a use case, so we can actually have a better view of how it could work?
0: OK, so, so this is a personal story use case. So my daughter while we were was busy working on this, my daughter suddenly becomes paralyzed. She loses the use of her, of her arms because of a rare polio, polio-like polio disease. There was no medical treatments that we could afford. There was no solution that, that was available. And so we needed to find a solution. There was a, a potential solution, and that was to build a brain-controlled exoskeleton. So a brain-controlled exoskeleton would pick up brain signals Convert those into electrical signals that we could then use to control the exoskeleton, which would allow her to use her arms again. So my daughter's arms were paralyzed. So we would we would be able to pick up the signals from her brain. We would circumvent the damaged circuit within her spine that was that was a result a result of the of the illness, and we could use the electrical signals to instead control the exoskeleton, which would allow her to move her arms again. But as you can imagine, there's no course for how to build a brain-controlled exoskeleton. Right? So this highlights perfectly the type of solution we wanted to build. We had a learner. In this case, it was my daughter and myself. We had a learning goal, which was to build a brain-controlled exoskeleton. There was no course for how to build a brain-controlled exoskeleton. So could we generate a map of ignorance of all the concepts that lay between our current understanding and our learning goal, which was to build this exoskeleton? We used the prototype versions of what we're building to do just that. What's important about Knowledge Alex is not only are we our are we mapping out all the concepts that need to, that you need to learn? to so all the content. What we've learned really early on is that content is not king. Content can maybe get you twenty percent through the learning experience. The other eighty percent of the learning experience is your interaction with other learners, with other experts that are experts in those concepts you want to learn. And so this is where teachers and instructional designers really, really become super valuable. They are the experts that can guide you along uh, along the way. We use these technologies. We built a, 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 a map of ignorance of all the things we needed to learn to build this exoskeleton, as well as connected with experts around the world. And in just seven months, we built this exoskeleton that allowed her to move her arms again. Oh, wow. And this was totally, totally um, unheard of. This should have taken us several years to learn and build. Had we used traditional educational approaches you know we would probably still be stuck in first year medical science had we used the traditional the traditional method however we accomplished this in 7 months and what's beautiful about this whole story because we built it so quickly the exoskeleton helped her to regain her motor neurons which is completely unheard of she's now regained about 50% of the strength uh, and so and so now my my daughter goes around the world and she shares her story to 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 at, at medical conferences but i think this is this is this highlights the the type of use case we want to build with knowledge
1: Alex on, on which content do you rely on because not everything is in knowledge AI so how do you bring third- party content into the learning experience
0: so for for my daughter's project we we scraped the internet we scraped um, PDFs videos documents everything that had anything to do with with brain-controlled exoskeletons or exoskeletons or 3D printing or brain machine interface uh, signal processing, all those different concepts that we needed to learn, we used that content um, as our as our basis. And then also one of the key I, key approaches we used was to help to have experts answer questions we had. So one of the key questions was, hey, how do we convert brain signals into electrical signals? What is the, the best way to that we can recognize these patterns? And we got expert advice from folks at Google DeepMind. We even got expert advice from, from folks at CERN who aren't teachers, but there are experts at those particular concepts. And they helped us. They identified, okay, you should do this or that and this. And here's the textbook about this. Um, So there there are multiple different methods.
1: Okay, so it's like you match the knowledge on one end, the experts on the other, to create a streamlined learning experience.
0: That's correct. Yeah. Okay.
1: Wow, that's impressive. And so, do you have any uh, launch date for that product, or is it too early to tell?
0: No, it's too it's too early to tell. And as you can imagine, it's it's a huge task. Um, So it's a little too early to tell. However, we want to the the goal is to have an alpha release of this. So with a small part, a small portion of, of uses by Q3 of this year.
1: Okay, so Q3 2024. So yeah. I will invite you next year to discuss this oh, <laughs> new awesome. innovation. Great. All right, so let's get back to Knowledge AI then. I'm just curious about the challenges you may have faced in integrating AI into educational settings because we know sometimes it could be a little bit heavy to have things moved in the education system. So, could you just tell us about the challenges and how do you overcome them?
0: The main challenge was to address hallucinations. The industry only recognized that this was going to be a challenge, probably middle of next middle middle of last year. However, we've been like like mentioned previously, we've been working on this for for a while. We've been using gpt j and g p t three and and different versions of these large language models. We knew that that Hallucination is going to be a challenge, and so we we decided to address that from the start using this ground truth method.
1: Sorry to interrupt. Hallucinations are like uh, content created by AI that are not actually true. It could be like fake names, fake events, fake dates. Yeah, et cetera.
0: yeah, it could. Yeah, it could be fake names, fake events, fake dates, fake conclusions. This this was going to be a problem, and we knew that right from the start. Now educators didn't really understand that this, is, was, this was going to be a problem. But it suddenly became really profound, uh, probably in the beginning, like March time, March of, of 2023 is, is when this became a problem that the industry really knew. Luckily, we we're in a position to already have a solution to this problem. And so um, this was the main, the main challenge we needed to face uh, and, and solve.
1: And did you manage to do it? Yes, yes. So
0: so the, the approach we're using now completely removes the 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 challenge of hallucinations and inaccuracies.
1: Okay. So you know for sure that based on the content that's been fed into your system, there, there's not going to be any hallucinations, any fake content.
0: Yep, that's right. So so again, it's based on that content. So if you upload do, do, a con, if you upload content which has inaccuracies or has bias, that same bias and inaccuracies are going to be utilized by the AI. Mm-hmm um so as as long as you are uploading accurate information it's going to use that information and produce accurate uh, information from it
1: so the teachers are still on the front line the like.
0: teachers are on, on the front line okay. <laughs> which is ex- which is exactly what they want you know, they, they want to have confidence that what they produce is going to be accurate
1: okay and so talking about teachers and educators did you receive any feedback you can share like what do they think about your tool and how do they use it
0: yeah we kicked off knowledge ai with a group of twenty five thousand beta testers mostly educators wow,
1: that's a yeah
0: lot. yeah it was it was over the course of a few months um, the feedback we got from that was tremendous knowledge ai can produce at the moment 12 12 or so different interactives however we have a pipeline of over 34 different interactives that we could generate using the same analysis that we have today so the beta test allowed us to identify what are the 12 most important interactives the 12 most valuable and then from that what are additional interactives that we could generate how are, what are different experiences and so quite a quite a lot of the feedback was around that around different interactives that would be useful for different circumstances and one of the the other uh, feedbacks were that teachers want to be able to differentiate the content that knowledge AI generates. So, for example, they may have a a classroom that includes learners at different levels. And so they would want to have the ability to upload a single piece of document, but export interactives that are built for different levels. You upload one document and you can export that in different levels for different types of learners.
1: Okay, okay. Uh, So I live in Canada when we have like an English-speaking school system and a French-speaking school system. Yes. Would knowledge be able to work in a multilingual environment like how many languages can it speak
0: at the moment it's it's designed to work on with several languages french and english are other pri- are primary languages those have been tested thoroughly we have several other languages that are still in alpha while they are really really good they still require us to to complete various different vetting and 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 work so we still regard them as as alpha um so in short, knowledge AI, AI is multi uh, multilingual. Mm-hmm. The way that it works at the moment is you are, uh, let's say you upload documents in English, it's going to produce English documents on the app. Okay. Um, now that's going to change in version two or version three, I'm not too sure which one, but version two or three will allow you to upload documents in French, for example and then translate that into English and Spanish and whatever else as well.
1: Okay. Okay. That, that's, that's good to know. Um, and so in terms of integration, what kind of advice could you give educational institutions looking to integrate AI into their curriculum or, or processes? How do, you, how do you make sure that AI is finding its way into the educational system?
0: Yeah, and I think um all the educators are, that are listening would probably agree with this is that educators we have no time, right? So so give us a solution that requires no thinking, that requires very little integration, that that, re- that just plugs into our existing solutions. That is that is probably the, the key advice here. Educators are stretched beyond capacity. We don't want to, to uh provide them any tools that require them to, to expend any more effort and thought. Uh, in fact, we want to do the opposite so what tools are available out there and, I, and this would be my advice advice to to folks uh, look for tools that reduce the complexity of the processes you have in place as opposed to increase or or simply keep it the same um, there are very few of those solutions available today, but um, make sure you 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 have a lens at which you're looking at solutions that that reduce workload as opposed to keep it the same or increase it.
1: Okay, okay. And so we know that AI is transforming many sectors. So if instructional designers are listening to us right now, they might be kind of worried saying like, hey, do we still need us in the future? Like, do you think these kind of jobs might uh, be in danger in the future? And will we actually still need instructional designers in a couple of years?
0: Short answer is yes. the The way I think of it is is that instructional design, just like any other job, um, the cost of intelligence. So I have put my hat my my scientist hat on at the moment. So if I put my scientist hat on, if we look at AI, the cost of intelligence is, is dropping down very very quickly. Um, and any and any task that requires intelligence, the cost of that is dropping tremendously. So think of that as an opportunity. Previously, me as an instructional designer, I would have taken 30, 40 hours to produce what now I can do in two or three minutes. Now this 30, 40 hours of my time is very tedious time. I would need to for example I would need to read a document and understand this document and fully understand the the typos I would probably need to email the subject matter expert and say hey is this what you meant is this not what you meant like what what's happening here what what is this what is that you know th- this this is a lot of um tedious work and then once I've done that once I've clarified all those questions as an instructional designer I would then need to generate all these definitions that requires me to go look at look for definitions uh, this is a lot of tedious work, and you have to do this day in and day out. Now, this type of work can cre- quickly be handled by AI tools. It allows you to free up your your design skills for more valuable efforts. Right? If you're not spending 30, 40 hours doing, doing menial tasks, you can use that instead to do more high-value tasks. This is the way that I think it's going to transform in the short term.
1: Yeah, sure. But there is some reason to believe that many jobs can be changed like, you know, designers, writers, copywriters. Um uh, and 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 we know that AI is transforming the workplace. In what ways do you see AI transforming education in the next decade? Uh where are we going with AI in the future?
0: Yeah, I've spent a lot of time thinking of this, especially over the last 10 years thinking of, okay, what what does the future of education look like? How do we address the future problems of education? I think what AI allows us to do is allows us to think of the solution from a first principles perspective. At the moment, from a first principles perspective, we no longer need to, if you think of the the solutions we have at the moment that sit between the learner and their learning goal, there are 17 or so different institutions and different governing bodies and different different, uh, organizations that sit between the learner and their learning goal. What we've done over the last 50 or 100 years is trying to optimize these different layers. So think of these as like 17 different layers. So we have educational tools that are are trying to optimize layer three. We have others that are trying to optimize layer four and five and six. We have the opportunity now to think of things from first principles perspective. What that means is let's forget about those 17 different layers is there a different way we can help a learner get to their learning goal? If we had a blank slate, what would that look like? This is, this is the opportunity I think we have available to us today. AI allows us to rethink everything about how we get the learner to their learning goal without us necessarily needing to think about everything that's come before. It provides us an opportunity to to think of this with a a clean slate.
1: Okay. Could you give us some examples? Like what are those layers? Are you talking about like ministry of education, school boards, school management? Yeah.
0: Ministry of education, school boards, curriculum authorities, assessment and uh, accreditation of bodies. All of these different uh, organizations.
1: Well, thank you so much, Bodo. It's been a pleasure having you on that podcast. So at the end of each episode, the guest must answer a question posed by the previous guest. After that, you'll have the opportunity to ask a question yourself for our next guest. Are you ready? Yep. Perfect. So here's your question, and I think you're gonna like this one, uh, courtesy of Alexandre Guibo, uh, director of the AI Accelerator team at Telus, which is a Canadian telecommunications company, and we can listen to his question. Given how fast the jobs are are being transformed by AI today, how do you think the next generation can best prepare themselves for the jobs of the future?
0: Yeah, that's that's a question that I've been that I've been struggling with and and trying to answer. We we don't know what problems are going to, need to uh, are going to need to be solved. We don't know what jobs are going to be be available. We need to have solutions that allow learners to quickly change what they're learning on the fly. Um, today today uh, we may want uh, machine learning engineers, but by next week that may change. We need to be able to have technologies and and solutions that are able to to help learners. Um, rapidly change what they're learning. Rapidly learn what they need to. And instead of spending several years, let's do that in several months instead. Uh, just like I, I did with my daughter. These are the types of lo- uh, types of solutions, and um, hopefully, these are the solutions that learners in the future can utilize.
1: Perfect. Well, I'll make sure Alexandre gets the answer. Thank you so much, both for that. So now, what question would you like to pose for our next guest?
0: Huh, I think I think we touched on this slightly. In a world, and this is a question that I'm struggling to answer too, in a world where AI technologies can do so much, what is, so I'm assuming I'm speaking to someone who has a business or product and solution. So what is it uh, from your business, product and solution that is uniquely human, that would provide tremendous amount of value in a world where AI can do pretty much anything? Uh, so what is what is uniquely human about your product service or business that is uniquely human and would provide tremendous amount of value in the
1: future. Perfect. I keep that. Thank you so much, Bodo. It's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you today. Thank you for joining me. Thank you. And that wraps up another episode of AI Experience. Thank you for tuning in and we'll see you next time. Hey, thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to subscribe on your podcast platform. Your support counts and your comments can really help share this experience with others. You can also visit the website ai-experience.io to find out more. See you soon for a new episode.